Voy a leer la palabra del Señor en Apocalipsis capítulo 21 Versículo del 1 al 8 Y así dice la palabra del Señor Vi un cielo nuevo y una tierra nueva Porque el primer cielo y la primera tierra pasaron Y el mar ya no existía más Y yo Juan vi la santa ciudad la nueva Jerusalén descender del cielo de Dios Dispuesta como una esposa ataviada para su marido Y oí una gran voz del cielo que decía He aquí el tabernáculo de Dios con los hombres Y él morará con ellos Y ellos serán su pueblo Y Dios mismo estará con ellos como su Dios Enjugará a Dios toda lágrima de los ojos de ellos Y ya no habrá muerte ni habrá más llanto, ni clamor, ni dolor Porque las primeras cosas pasaron Y el que estaba sentado en el trono dijo He aquí, yo hago nuevas todas las cosas Y me dijo, escribe Porque estas palabras son fieles y verdaderas Y me dijo, hecho está Yo soy el alfa y la omega El principio y el fin Al que tuviere sed yo le daré gratuitamente de la fuente del agua de la vida El que venciere heredará todas las cosas Y yo seré su Dios y él será mi hijo Pero los cobardes e incrédulos Los abominables y homicidas Los fornicarios y hechiceros Los idólatras y todos los mentirosos Tendrán su parte en el agua que arde con fuego y azufre Que esta es la muerte segunda Así dice la palabra del Señor. Ano pay mi chechi amuni na yebe yebe eti ya kenka nsema etosi mienu no efri edi semu ma eti edienu mienu efri nchichemu aye bakon ekopom nsono na otereme enkwa nsio asubonti a te se nenimti se ashesha a efri onyango pong eni odramai a hengwa nimu. Na krono abontin fin fin. E subontino efunu e fenuni na enkwa duyano eso aba dumienu sisye. Na osaseno na ba biara. Na duyano ahenhaina wadesa amana man ya de. Na musu biara e ni ho bio. Na unyanko poni ujama no ahengwa na ebesi emu na ninkoa besumno na wobehuno nenim na nidin bewo womomaso na anaju niho na kania a owiahan enhia won if we say erade nyankopon behre won so na obedi hin daada na okatreme se insem yi womu na eyenokwe Na irade idi fuo hum nyankopono asuma nebofuo se ombetre ne nkwa nkwa adia etratuo se ebeba intem na she mire mire bantem inshirani dia ukura enyumimu na udi nasimu amen weni unyame asem when I say weni unyame asem you say inshira enka nyankopono. Can you say Inshira? Enka Nyankopong. Nyaminshramo. 
Austin asked me, because um, I got a suit kind of like this when I was with you, and you asked me where it was, and I was like, listen, if I could pull it off, I would, right? So, oh, you totally maybe. can. <laughs> Um, thank you, brothers, for sharing the word. Is it not good to just hear the multiple languages, which are reflections of um, the, the, the greatness of our God in this world in which we live in? Um, you know, it's, it's important that we remember this. And I think as a church, I, we, we definitely teach this. Um, we don't look into the revelation, which is kind of where we're going to be quite a bit today. We don't look into the revelation at a picture of the church in the future, I've heard actually this wrongly taught, wrongly preached. Look at Revelation 7. Every tribe, every nation, every language. And we got to get out there to make sure that happens. <laughs> no, we don't. That's already happening. You understand that, right? Like English is a new language for the world. It's not near as old as many, many, many other languages. And so the picture of Revelation of God as he has now brought everything back together is a story that is being made known to us of a reality that has always, in a sense, in the mind of God, in the heart of God, in the plans and the purposes of God that are part of it. I, I had an opportunity just after first service um, to talk with a gentleman who grew up in India who is now church planting in New York City. Okay, his name is Abraham, his wife's name is Lovely, and she is, by the way. And he's talking about just growing up in India, but then somebody came to him, a church planter from the States. We need you to come to New York to plant a church. And he's planting a church. Wow, that's great. That is absolutely wonderful. And ICOM, the real blessing that we have by that is it just reminds us that yes, we have a part to play. But Abraham was telling me, and one of the things they're really excited about, you know, this church planter from, from India in New York. And by the way, I, don't, I hope you don't hear that and go, oh, seriously, why are they coming over here to help us? And not out of a, they shouldn't, but isn't it sad that they're coming over here and helping us? No, it's awesome. As a Canadian who felt compelled to come and help you. <laughs> right? It just makes, no, but it just makes sense, does it not? Like, brother, come, Ramon, come. We're so glad that you are here. And, and what we are experiencing is the goodness and the greatness of God as he is bringing things together, talking with our ministry partners from uh, Piedras, just the joy to be able to recognize. I, I think one of the next major phases in our, in our mission stuff is helping partners from Poland join us in Mexico doing mission, which, by the way, they already do with ProM. How do we celebrate? That's what missions is. Celebrating the goodness and the greatness of God and making his story known. Um, just so grateful to be a part of a church that gets that and that wants more of that. But let us never, ever be deceived into believing that what we're doing is seeing a glimpse into the future and now we're gonna go out and make it happen. Even by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, yes, it is the power of the Holy Spirit, but it has been happening from the beginning. And I'm just really grateful there's going to be Canadians in heaven. I'm just really, really grateful. Not a lot of us, but I'm grateful for the few that I know who know who Jesus Christ is. And let us make his name great by knowing the story of God. This is what we're finishing up right now. Intentionally taking down everything. And I really wrestled with this because we really want to draw attention as we close out this series on the story of God, recognizing that what we see in Revelation 21 and 22 is a new heaven and a new earth 
that has a strong resemblance of what God always intended. A former student of mine wrote a book called Between Two Trees, and I know where he got that idea from. The Bible. Yeah. From Revelation 1 to Revelation, or from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. There are two trees, and between them stands the story of God. And one of the reasons why we wanted to tell this story was it wasn't just about content. It wasn't just, hey, did you know about, and have you heard about, and did you know that, and by the way, don't forget, and I got one more story for you. And when we read the Bible, many of us go from story to story to story, and we have well-intended, wonderful teachers um, who, who literally changed my life by investing in me when I was a little child, sometimes paying attention, mostly not. I can be distracted. And they're daring me to be a Daniel. And they're really encouraging me to be brave like David and to slay a giant. They're telling me that, did you know that, that by faith, Elijah called down fire. Okay, little boy, you call down fire. You believe that God's going to do these things. And so I, I really did. I spent a lot of my life trying to be these great people. Story after story after story. And I'm grateful for all these stories. But what we just went through, the story of God, contains those individuals. But as we've said repeatedly, it is about God's faithfulness to them not their faithfulness to him, to the one who is faithful, always faithful, persistently faithful, to the very end faithful, he puts up with so graciously, so kindly, people like you and I, that many of our life goes from struggle to failure, to success, to joy, sometimes in the midst of defeat. And isn't God good? that he continues to remain true to what he promised and to what he said. And so not only do we want that, that we as a church would know the content of this book. Did you know that God? And then you can fill in the blank. But that we would in this series recognize not just the individual stories, but the purpose of it all. The story of God. Not the many different stories, but the story of God in terms of how things began, and then God's determination, his sovereign determination to see things through to the end. And now we're here, celebrating exactly that, which, which gives us one of the greatest pictures of this wonderful book, which is this morning in our prayer time as a staff, um, we usually walk through a psalm. Psalm 8, how, how, how great, how majestic, are you God and, and the stars and the moon and we look at creation and we just are amazed at how great you are and I've done that. I've done that in Africa. I've done that in Mexico. I've, I've done that in Israel. I was, uh, spent some time this year waking up, getting up really, really early, going out and just watching the sun come up. I mean, this is, this is really cool. I have video if you want to see it, the sun coming up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and just watching the sun come up, Right? Wow, this is a beautiful place. And I'm grateful. And the Bible talks about how God's creation speaks about his nature and who he is. And I'm grateful for that. But you do know that every world religion looks at the creation that God made and then sits down and does everything it can to try to figure out what God is like. And by the way, they get some things right. God is big. God is powerful. But, but then they miss so much. That's our 
the Bible teaches, broken and limited understanding and perspective. And that's why I am eternally grateful that the Lord has chosen not just to reveal himself in the wonderful creation, and I'm grateful for it, but he goes much further. And so the story includes his creation, but that's not the greatest picture of who he is. And I'm so grateful for this book that helps me understand things that I could have never figured out on my own or collectively with all of us. That's why I'm telling you, every world religion falls short because by its nature, it refuses to submit itself to God's divine revelation that says, I know that you figured out some things about me, but can I just share with you what you would never know if it wasn't for what I have now revealed to you? And that's what this book is. This book is the divine revelation of God's eternal plan. I'm grateful for that. Grateful for the opportunity to learn and to know more than that. And, and so here we are at the end. And I think it's important that we just recognize that as we look at these trees from tree to shining tree, as we look at these two trees, we recognize that there are similarities. Uh-huh. But there's also differences. It's good to realize that what God does is not just take us back. This was a wonderful place that God made and God intended for our enjoyment and fellowship with him. But the story of God literally brings us to a conclusion that we might wrestle with, which is, are you ready for this? This is not just a recreation of that. God just doesn't like step back and then undo everything. This is not that again. The title of this message is not in the beginning, but in the new beginning. A new beginning? Yeah. And the new beginning is actually better than the beginning. Better? I thought that was perfect. Oh, hear me. It was. It was sinless, it was good. And when God made humanity, he said, behold, it is very good. All of those things are true. I'm not, I cannot argue with scripture and win. But the scripture also says that there was a divine plan and a divine purpose to get us from tree to tree. And God does not just work backwards. What God actually does and what causes you and I to really wrestle with this, what God actually does is he does not go through history with an eraser. Isn't that what you and I want? There's just so much pain. If we could just erase it. If we could just erase that pain. Erase that, that loss. I just couldn't help but look through first service, but I, I can see it in your eyes too. Painful losses. Painful memories. And the only way that you and I know how to ever deal with that pain is somehow to erase it. Like how do we just make the pain stop? If I could just forget, I've had, I've had lots of conversations over the years, it seems like to me, um, that I've had a lot more recently, people dealing with pain, and I come back a month later, two months later, three months later, how are you doing? And I've had this conversation with many people, many of our brothers and sisters. They've said this. 
I thought it was going to get better. And I'm just telling you, it's not. And I don't say, well, let me give you another technique. Have you tried? No. First of all, in many of those instances, I'm not experienced what they're experiencing. And haven't you heard people say that? It just gets better. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. We so want like, a, like an eraser to just cover up the pain, cover up the loss. The most amazing thing about this tree is it doesn't erase this. Nowhere does it erase it. But what about like sin, right? Like, isn't that what what God does? Doesn't God like erase it? Isn't that what he does? As I was thinking about how to illustrate some of these things today, I thought to myself, yeah, you know what we need to do is that when God comes, we need to get rid. Okay, well, how many of you want to get rid of the snake? I do. I thought it was defeated. Oh, it was. I guess we want to keep the fruit because there was nothing wrong with the fruit. But if I could just sever temptation, and I literally have these scissors ready to illustrate this, and then I realize, nope, we don't erase. The Bible doesn't erase. It doesn't cut it out. In the end, it is a clear picture of all of it. The snake, yep. The temptation, yep. The failure, yes. The slavery, yes. The adultery, yes. The murder, yes. The unfaithfulness, yes. The destruction of the temple, yes. And the only way you and I know how to deal with the loss and the pain or the sin and the pain is to erase it, to make it go away. And that's not the story of God. Like, just get your head around that for a second. That is not the story of God. If what you are leaning into or hoping for is that somehow in eternity at the second tree that what will happen is everything will be erased. Just, you know, all the bad in reverse. That is not God's story and that is not God's plan. And I've got to come to grips with that. I've got to come to terms with that. And the reason why I can't, maybe the reason why you can't, maybe the reason why we struggle is because that is about the only way we can imagine in our minds to just quiet the pain or to deal with the shame. It's just to make it go away. And God says, I, I'm not going to do that. Like that's not who I am. I don't erase things. And the Bible, I would argue, is proof of that. God says, I'm not an eraser. I'm not a denier. I'm a redeemer. I'm a healer. I'm a restorer. And, and you and I wrestle with that. Can we be honest? You wrestle with that? 
It doesn't seem to make sense to us. I, I have seen people, particularly people that have seen like, almost like a national crisis, right? Many, in many instances, like a national crisis. Catastrophes that are just horrific. And as they begin to describe it, and as they begin to look into eternity, the way, the way that they promise to deal with these things is somewhat with this removal of these thoughts and removal of these images and removal of all of these things. And the more that I reflect on the scriptures and the more that I reflect on what God is ultimately about, the more that I realize God actually says, that is not how I operate, that is not how I work. There is so much more in terms of who I am and what I am about. And I have revealed myself to you and what you and I now have to try to do is to, to do our best to understand what the scriptures teach, what the scriptures are about, finding our place in all of that. And then in the midst of all of that, just looking at God and going, wow, wow. So here's what I think we would do. It worked in first service, nothing bad happened. But as I talk with people, and I've had these thoughts to myself, how many of you have thought that one of the best ways to deal with the story of God, since we can't move that tree, right? Like the beginning's the beginning, right? Can't move that tree. How many of you have thought, wouldn't it have been great ugh, if God would have just taken this tree where he was ultimately going and put it right here? I'm not moving the cross, but imagine we move the cross. Like we still need the cross. I'm not trying to avoid the cross, but you just put the cross right here. How many of you have thought that would make a lot more sense? Why? Why all the time? Why all the pain? Why all the agony? Why all the loss? All the sin? Why not from tree to tree? Stand in the middle, correct it, done. And I've wondered about that a lot. I've spent a lot of time just wrestling with the why. Why? Why all of the mess? It does not seem to make a lot of sense, correct? This is where object lessons can be really helpful. See, in reality, what, what happens is when we put from tree to tree, the first thing that we can miss, because when most of us are thinking about this, we kind of leave that somewhere else, right? When most people talk about it, it's kind of like, well, can't God just save us on one of those trees? No. Those trees do not save. That's the tree that saves. So number one, in the fullness of time, under God's sovereign desire and God's sovereign plan, as you and I are trying to wrestle with the why, we need to recognize that the greatest answer to the why is right here. And it just seems like in God's sovereignty, and by the way, I don't mind you wrestling with this, but in the end, the story of God is something that we are expected to accept more than to just agree with more than just kind of deduce to ourselves, you do know that the gospel is not something that's trying to argue a point with you. It is presenting a hope to us. Do you accept it? 
And you and I are trying to figure out why. And when we do, we can miss this. The value of this, the importance of this. The other thing is, this has really been hitting me. Imagine, for those of you that have thought about it, why didn't God just have like from here to here? I don't know. Sure. Not, um, not like one year or two years. But man, there was a lot of years. You do realize, let's just say 100 years or 200 years, raise your hands if God would have fixed all of this and ended all of this after 200 years, how many of you would be here? How many of us? None. Like God's plan and God's purpose included you. All of your loss, all of your pain, all of your sin, all of your struggle. God's sovereign plan included you. And it included us's from all over the world for hundreds and now thousands of years. And so, as somebody born in 1968, I'm really grateful that God waited. Anybody else? I really am. You know, now that I think about it, I will be eternally grateful. Mm. And so guess what I'm going to do for eternity? I'm going to thank God for waiting. Not complain to him about waiting. Do you see the difference? That's because what the Bible does to us, and, and hear me, it does offer some of the answers to our whys, not the way that we want, but it's not our book to write. It's our book to receive. But God says, instead of why, will you accept who? Will you accept who I am? I really think this is one of our major problems. And it comes a little bit with our time and with our age with our arrogance. I just, I've met a lot of people and I've been one of those people that just wants to know why and I want an answer and God better give me one. <laughs> and when I see him, I'm going to, no, you won't. You won't, I promise you. You, it, you, you can talk tough now. And, I, and, and honestly, I get the questioning. I get it. But the Bible spends a vast Amount of its, of its time describing who, not why. And when it does give us whys, it gives us whys like this. If you want a great why, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, all the way down through verse 15. It's not even going to appear on the screen. It's one Greek sentence. But repeatedly, it basically says this. I have done all of these things from the very, very beginning. I have predestined people and I've called them to be my children. I've done all these amazing things. I've redeemed them through the blood of Jesus Christ and I've empowered them with the Holy Spirit. And you want to know why? Three times it says it over and over and over again. To the praise of my glorious grace. To the praise of the great love that I have. To the praise of who I am and what I am about. That is who I am. And to praise my name. That is why I have done all these things. 
And then I meet people, and I'm one of those people sometimes going, not good enough. Well, I need to remember the story's not about me. It's not. Think about it. How many people you know that are right now in the process of deconstructing their faith because they don't like the why? I want a why. Again, I understand the struggle. And God in his sovereignty says, I'm gonna give you who. And for those of us that know the who and can appreciate the big picture why, it really leads us into a celebration of the story of God. The parts that I don't get, the parts that I want to erase, the parts that I'm still not ready to be totally upfront with you because the shame runs so deep. I'm gonna kind of hold on to those. I'm still working through those by the power of the Holy Spirit and the wonderful gift of biblical community. God's word speaking truth into my life. Me learning more and more about who he is. I'm just so grateful for all of these things as I try to understand God's plan and God's purpose in this amazing story that included us. That's amazing. Peter said, God is not slow in bringing about his plan and his purpose. As some people think of it as slow. And I've thought it's slow. I've looked at history and I've checked the calendar and it just seems weird to me. Like, what is he waiting for? Anybody else? I got another uh, reason, actually, just the other day. Our youngest son, Max, called us, him and his wife, Haley, and they basically said, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, found out another reason why the Lord is tarrying. Really? What is it? And he said, her name is Adeline. What? Man, when you're little, is having a little, that's weird. And I didn't even, I didn't even know about Adeline. Still haven't met her. And in my story, as I was thinking about my life and those moments when I'm hurting and I don't get it and I'm confused and I'm frustrated, God says, I get it. I know, I know. Wait, wait. Remember me. Remember my plan. Remember my purpose. It includes people in Africa that still need to hear, correct? And refugees coming up from Central America that still need, are we, are we on this? And in Stillwater, Oklahoma, the vast majority of this town is lost and going to hell. You do know that, right? And why is God waiting? Because he has a story that he is telling to, through us about himself. And so you know what? This tree belongs where God wanted it, at the end. And not any kind of recreation of history to deal with our difficulties is right. He is the Alpha and the Omega, and we understand exactly who he is and exactly what he is all about when we sit back and we listen to his story as he tells it, as he reveals it, as he works through this.
And what a great story it is. That it includes us. It invites us as it celebrates him. One of the most interesting parts of this story is actually found in Revelation chapter 22 in verses 10 and 11. Turn there. Revelation 22 verses 10 and 11. One of the things um, in Revelation, not only is it a picture of this future new heaven and this new earth that God is going to create, but one of the most surprising verses, and I love it when I'm surprised by a verse because I can't say, I've never read that before. No. The beauty of like some of these surprise verses is, man, I've read that before and I never noticed that. Oh, the goodness of the word of God. A number of years ago, I'm reading through this verse and it really again surprised me in terms of God's planning. And as John is giving this revelation to these seven churches in Asia Minor, and he is saying, this is what is going to happen. This is the story. This is the plan and the purposes of God. And then there is this invitation. Like again, one of the most amazing things is that the whole story of God is designed to then be presented to humanity, those made in his image who have, by their own failures and sins, have rejected God and now stand under his judgment and God now offers the good news of Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation through believing in what God has done for us in Jesus on the cross. And it stands to be accepted or to be rejected. And that's Revelation 21 verses 10 and 11. Take a look at this. Then he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Which doesn't mean like it's going to happen tomorrow. It means it is always ready to happen. Right? Do you know that? What it means is, is that like God, Jesus Christ, has done all that he needs to do. He has accomplished all that needs to be done and there is no other great activity in the world that God needs to do before this time comes. And so at any moment, we do not know when that moment is. We pray for that moment. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, not because we're having a bad day, but because God is a great God. God, come and bring all of this to an end in your time, not ours. To deal with your plan, not mine. To bring about your glory, not mine. God says, the time is near. And then, and then he goes on, and this is the part that I find so interesting. Is he goes on to say, this is the invitation. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness, and let the filthy still be filthy. That, that was the shocker to me. What do you mean? But then it goes on and it says, and let the righteous go on in righteousness and let the holy still be holy. What, what the Bible describes as God waits 
as God continues to empower by the power of his Holy Spirit, the, the spreading of the world, the proclamation of the gospel, more and more people coming to faith, churches being planted, um, young children giving their life to Jesus Christ, old men, old women giving their lives to Jesus Christ, more and more icoms, more and more worship services, more and more camps, more and more, all of these things, as all of these things are working together, God's design plan and God's design purpose is extending this offer of salvation to everyone to be accepted or rejected. And that's why Ramon read, and I I even understood it in Spanish. For those who are the cowardly, and for those who are the sexually immoral, for those who are murderers, for those who are idolaters, for those who are sorcerers, for those who are, and it has a long list, and it's not exhaustive, of people who have chosen to, not chosen to sin, but chosen to stay in their sin. Because you know what's amazing? Is heaven is going to be full of people who have in their past done all of those same things. Did you know that? But because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of them accepting the goodness of God, it's not like heaven is full of good people and hell is full of bad people. You know that's not true. No, they're full of very, very, very similar kinds of people then what's the difference? Heaven is full of people who've accepted the good news of Jesus, who've accepted the free gift of salvation. Is that you? Is that you? Have you accepted the wonderful, wonderful gift of what God has done for you? Now, don't forget, there, there actually is work to be done. One of the, my favorite things I saw at ICOM, um, Pioneer Bible Translators. You, you don't get what they're about by the word pioneer, but you do get the concept of what they're doing when it's Bible translation. They had a booth, and it was one of the largest booths there. And they had a series of tables. One of those tables was a series of little holders like this Bible holds, or this holder that's holding up this Bible. And, um, and, it's, and all, of the, all of the holders are empty. And it just represents, it's one of the largest of their tables, and it just represents translations that are needed or necessary so that people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ in their language, can read the good news of Jesus Christ in their language. And it's, it's wow, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. Let us, let us be excited about that work. Let's continue to plant churches. Let's continue to care for refugees. Let's continue to help everyone and, and preach the gospel as we do it. And then there is a, beside it, a smaller table, and it's a list. It's, it's got the same kind of empty holders, but beside it, it has pictures of Bible translators that are doing the work right now. I thought that was pretty cool. And then there's this vast array of translation, translations already completed. Oh, thanks be to God. Isn't it amazing? All of this designed so that everybody can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, read the good news of Jesus Christ in their own language, so they can accept or reject. And you don't have to go to a far part of the world to experience that. No, that's happening right now in this room. For a number of weeks now, you've been hearing about the good news and the story of Jesus, the story of God and the plan of salvation. 
But the real question that you have to ask yourself is have you accepted it? Have you received it? Are you willing to now spend the rest of your eternity in the worship and the wonder of God? I genuinely believe that one of the reasons why eternity is going to be so long, right? Because I don't know if you know about this, but eternity, it'll feel like forever. And I honestly believe that one of the reasons why, okay, I like to kind of think about this. I think one of the reasons why eternity has to be eternity is so that you and I can enjoy and reflect on the greatness, not just of the why, but more importantly, the who. And you and I will need eternity to express the gratitude that we have for the goodness of God, to express the goodness that we have, for me to try to put into words, God, do you know who I am? I know exactly who you are. Do you know who we are as a people? I know exactly who you are as a people. And I'm greater than that. I'm bigger than that. See, I can't fathom getting my head around the idea of you, any of you, knowing the real truth about me because I can't think of anything that could somehow make me not focus on myself and my shame in that moment. And then I remember Jesus. And if I can... If Jesus is just beside me, promising that he loves me and cares for me with his presence, I can tell you anything about me. I can deal with anything about us because of the presence of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Is that not amazing? I don't need Jesus or God to erase anything. I knew a man in in our church back in in, in Missouri, and he said to me, because he's trying to make sense of this, I get it, he's very intelligent, Um, God is just going to make all of the painful things, all of the sinful things just go away because as far as the east is from the west. And I said to him one time, does God know the Bible? Well, of course he knows the Bible. So does God know about the, you know, David and Bathsheba thing, just one instance? Well, yeah. So then God knows about this. And then he said to me, because it was the only way he could make sense of it, as God is reading that story, he remembers it, but then as soon as he looks away or stops thinking about it, he forgets it again. That's the only way he could make sense of that verse. There's a better way to understand that verse. It's that in the cross of Jesus Christ, our sins are as far as east and west. Your loss... (laughs) is as far as east is from west. And God remembers. And the power of that kind of remembering is it's not from ignorance. It's from love. Is God not good? Is God not worthy? And you and I get, not get, we have to have eternity to sit in that to revel in that, to glory in that, to glory him in that. That's what eternity is. That's what eternity is for. And that is why the one thing we do over and over and over again is not celebrate creation. Oh, look at those trees. They are so beautiful. Oh, look at that mountain. Let us celebrate the mountains. Oh, look at the ocean and the expanse of the ocean. No, no, no. What you and I spend our time celebrating, looking forward to, is a meal that looks a lot like this. 
Jesus said to his disciples, I will not eat this with you again until we are in my kingdom. Which reminds me, I think the one thing that you and I will do in eternity is probably this. Ever thought about that? To eat this with him? Where Jesus says, you don't have to run. But he took the bread to the original disciples and he broke it and he gave them a piece and he said, this is my body and it is given for you. And there will come a day where we will eat this, I believe, with him. And we will just look at him and say, thank you so much for this. And what we are doing today is we are having a moment where we do that exact same thing. Let us thank Jesus for this. And this is the cup, his blood, his life given for us. Let us thank Jesus for this. Oh, the goodness and the greatness of God. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he decided to wait for you, to love you, to redeem you, to give you the spirit? Are you not glad? Are you not grateful? We should be eternally, we will be eternally grateful for what God has done. That is the reason why we are a church on mission. That is why we give. That is why we serve. That is why we pray. That is why we are orange and raise our children. That is why we love and care for one another. That is why we are a people who are forgivers because we have been forgiven. And that is why we worship. Amen? Because he is so worthy of it all. So in light of this amazing story, We're at the center of it. We see God's greatest picture of love. May we now stand and give him the worship he deserves.